0: The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via @podnos podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. feel a need to be seen, to be acknowledged by the world around us, perhaps to reassure us of our value in it. But what if someone was trying to fade away into the background? Why wouldn't he want to be seen? And what if there was someone who he, in turn, could not help seeing? My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and Neon Genesis Evangelion, and you are entering Cinema Limbo, the way station for underappreciated films. Tonight's presentation is One Hour Photo, the 2002 suspense drama written and directed by Mark Romanek and starring Robin Williams, Connie Nielsen, Michael Vartan and Gary Cole. My guest is Chris Arnsby and you join us in the empty shell of the world's last Woolworths. Hello Chris. Hello. Now, yesterday I uh, took a little day trip. Um, I'm in the middle of uh, helping with a home renovation so um, I went off to Ikea, the uh, popular Swedish furniture store. Oh, yes. Uh, I uh, had a nice look round, all their wares, and uh, had lunch there. It was a nice meal, and uh, even bought some food on my way out. Uh, they sell beer, though. They sell actual Ikea beer. Um, well, what's
1: self-assembly? Just get some hops and water?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's dunkel lager,
1: and okay. it's horrible.
0: <laughs> well, Yeah. Uh, um but um I yeah, had a had a, a good day's shopping and useful uh, buying and everything. But as I was going around and uh, talking to some of the staff now and then, I did keep a very close eye on them to make sure that they weren't utterly dead behind the eyes. Yeah, and I with did... that in mind, what can you tell me about one hour photo?
1: Oh well, I I'd, uh, I'd heard of it. Um I'd heard of it as like the... I don't want to say the the, the sort of the fabled good Robin Williams film, but he has appeared in an awful lot of rubbish. Um, I had to check this film before I started watching it to see if he had a beard or not, because, of course, the lazy comedy opinion is that every film that Robin Williams got a beard in is awful, mawkish rubbish. And every film where he doesn't have a beard is Good Morning Vietnam or... um, or one of the other films where he's unbearded. None of them immediately spring to mind. Uh, Insomnia. I haven't seen that one actually. Uh, no. Oh, um,
0: that's the other one. Oh. Right. The uh, the uh, the other 2002 era Robin Williams dark psychological thriller where he plays the one deeply disturbed.
1: Okay. It was well, obviously on films a roll came out, that year. Yeah, the two,
0: the two films came out only a few months apart.
1: Hmm. Sorry, I was going to say was that's pretty much it in terms of having heard of it. I was aware of its existence. I was aware it got pretty good reviews at the time, but didn't go out of my way to see it. So this was the first time I've watched it.
0: Well, it was the second film written and directed by Mark Romanek. Uh, His first film was, I think, made in 1986 called Static. And it was a story of a young man who tries to make... An invention that will make people happy and not sad. And it turns out to be a television that shows people images of heaven. And whether or no. not it actually works is another matter, but it, it does seem to work in making people feel better about themselves. During the 90s, Romanek uh, became a very successful music video director for the biggest names in pop music. Um, he was you know, ranking alongside David Fincher as oh, right one of the, the great artists of the medium. And so with One Hour Photo, it was kind of his comeback to feature directing, uh, mm. a, a second debut. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I saw the film at the 2002 Fright Fest Horror Film Festival, uh, which took place at the Prince Charles Cinema in central London. Oh, yeah. And I remember, that it, I remember that it was specifically the English premiere <laughs> because it had it had been shown a few weeks earlier at the Edinburgh Film Festival, um, but it had yet to show anywhere out, uh, south of the border. So this was the English premiere on right. the Saturday night of the bank holiday weekend. And there was a, an introduction by the festival organiser who particularly cited the film's music score uh, and said, oh, we're, we're all going to want to go out tomorrow and, and buy the score on CD. And... I thought it was odd that that stuck in my mind but not his praise of Robin Williams Mm. assuming that he did I mean I I imagine that he did say something about Robin Williams but I would hope so (laughs) the pool of non comedy Robin Williams performances does does, as you Mm. say fall into two very specific camps there is the for want of a better word mawkish yeah mawk of course
1: that's, I suddenly realised the irony of describing... Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah.
0: The the sentimental films, the melodramas, mm. and that very brief run he had in the early 2000s of very psychologically dark films. This and Insomnia, and also Death to Smoochie, although that was more of a comedy, but okay. still very pitch black in tone. Of his... Dramatic performances. I think this is both my favourite and his best.
1: Hmm. Yeah, he's very, very good in it. Um, I tried not to look at too many reviews before uh, before we talked about it because I wanted to sort of have my own opinion, for want of a better phrase. Um, But. The, the the little bit of sort of clicking around on the internet I did, I did see that he picks up a lot of praise for his performance, and deservedly so. There's at least one moment, which we'll get to later, where I just kind of completely lost myself in his performance.
0: He, there, there was a push at the time for him to be Oscar-nominated. Yeah, no, I'm not And he was a sort of... He was a, like a B-list nominee for that year, so he, uh, an alternate. Um...
1: Oh, I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> uh, Oscar nominated dramatic performances uh, no, before, before. something about awakenings or the one where he plays a, cl- a doctor teaching people the gift of laughter oh
0: oh, god no, <laughs> uh, Just no Well, actually no, in fairness I haven't seen Patch Adams but I've heard it's dreadful yeah um, particularly because it's apparently a very um, uh, very loose adaptation of the true story to the extent of inventing a love interest for him out of nothing.
1: Oh, okay, terrific. Sorry, I've got... um, I'm just idly casting my eye down Robin Williams' sort of uh, filmography. I'm surprised to see Patrick Adams was 1998. It's a lot later than I thought it was. If you'd asked me, I would have put it further back. Good grief, he's made a lot of films, hasn't he? (laughs) Yeah, he, he did. He made an awful lot.
0: Um, I'm just his li- last his last few years noticeably were there were quite a few that didn't really get cinema releases.
1: Yeah, I'm just genuinely surprised looking back here. Back here, there's a period from pretty much 1992 through to about well 2004 2005, where he's making four four or five films each year, which seems a phenomenal rate, frankly. <laughs>
0: Well, it, it it depends on the amount of work that he's putting mm. into each one. He's not necessarily the lead actor in all of them. He's not necessarily playing a live-action character in all of them. True. Um, so yeah, that's true. There so is, there is wiggle room there. I mean, he's not even the lead character in Insomnia, in fairness. It's Al Pacino. Oh, OK. Uh, and uh, Williams is only really in the second half of the film. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's... um. It, it, it's a film that I I think is very neglected because it got this very strong positive reaction at the time of its release. Very good reviews. Robin Williams getting pushed for an Oscar even though he wasn't nominated. And it wasn't a commercial success. It was a relatively cheap film made for $12 million. Mm. And it grossed $52 million. So that's a, a reasonable hit yeah, for yeah. Uh, a September release, which it was, um, and yet it's kind of faded away to nothing. Um, yeah Romanex Roman only directed one other feature film um, what was that? It took in tw- It was the 2010 adaptation of um, Katsuo Ishiguru's "Never Let Me Go.":
1: Oh, yeah, oh right
0: which is essentially the classy version of the Michael Bay film, The Island.
1: Yes, that's what I was just thinking. Suddenly realised they'd made two versions of that story, yes. There
0: was actually three, because uh, oh, The gosh. Island was, was a, an illegal remake of a 1982 film, I think, called Parts. Um, an illegal remake? Producer, the, yeah, because the producer of Parts sued for plagiarism and won. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, but Never Let Me Go was, I think, didn't attract enough attention and was sufficiently mm. different because it's very different in style and tone and yeah. plot, really, everything other than the basic concept. Yeah. But it kind of got away with it. But, yeah, Romanic's only made three films and this yeah. is the only one that's really stood out. Yeah, it's I was kind so, of. To... I mean, it, it's like the joke about. Um, I think it's in The Simpsons about George Bush Sr. writing his autobiography, or or someone like that. And it's saying, having achieved everything I wanted in my first term, I declined to run for a second.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, because he wrote this as well, didn't he? And yeah. I, I'm trying to... There's no nice way to say this. Robin Williams is better than the film, um, because there's a, there's also a couple of points where i think the film suddenly it's weird it's all over the place and we'll talk to these talk about these bits as we get to them but there were points when it's really really clever then there's points when it's suddenly generic hollywood thriller and you kind of almost want the film to i, I wouldn't mind the generic hollywood thriller stuff if it hadn't shown at other points that it's capable of being a lot smarter than that
0: well um Williams was attracted to the film because he wanted to do something very different from his own screen persona mm. and very different from himself so he wants to play this character who was just like fading into the wallpaper yeah um, his clothes are so plain and bland mm. and these washed out colors and he's almost like fading into the wall he's he's, yeah. he's bleached his hair blonde so that even in the uh, the environment of the the superstore where he works, he's almost vanishing into the background mm. completely.
1: I'm not sure um, as well. Sorry, go on. No, carry on. All I was going to say was, I'm not sure as well if they're not doing something quite clever with his. He seems to, as he gets more emotionally involved with the uh, with the other uh, family, he seems to get more colourful. If that makes sense, it's almost like they sort of dye him very pale at the start of the film, and they just kind of ratchet up the colour a little bit as he gets... I, I, it's possible I'm just projecting, but as I say, I did I did on a couple of occasions just really get surprisingly involved in Robin Williams's performance, so I might have just been sort of overthinking something.
0: There is a deliberate use of colour throughout the film. Is the the mm. whole film is themed towards the use of photography, the use of the picture, the use of the composition. So mm. we have the the Save Mart Superstore, where our main character, Sai, works. It's very bright. It's very white. White floors, white ceiling, white light everywhere. And that's meant to look as though it's heaven. That's the place where Sai is happiest. It's where he's most comfortable. He loves working in the photo lab, doing this very careful, painstaking work to create beautiful pictures. Hmm. That is his ideal place. Okay, And then... When you see his home, it's very washed out it's very sort of gloomy and dark it's it's almost deliberately badly filmed mm. and it's meant to be symbolic of hell that it's yeah. a place of shadows and emptiness
1: I and did contrast
0: film... sorry the contrast to that is the Yorkins home, which is richly colored earth tones very mm. Uh, not naturalistic, but lots of wood, lots of red, lots of green, and very homey, very Hmm. the place that Sai aspires to live in, because that's a real place, and not his photocopy of a photocopy that he actually lives in.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I did think a lot of the time, and I could never quite put my finger on it, but I almost felt at times like there was an effort to make the texture of the picture look like a photograph. For want of a better phrase, yeah. And I ended up digging around and discovered that this this film's got a very, I think, has got a very good cinematographer, because um, it's got a guy who did a lot of work with David Fincher. Um, yes, yeah, Jeff Cronenworth. I, that's him. Yeah, yeah. And the actual look of the film, again, is absolutely brilliant.
0: And again, he's come up. He came up through music videos.
1: Yeah, that's true. He would have done, wouldn't he? Yeah.
0: Um, he's his his debut as a, a direct, as a director of photography was Fight Club and mm. uh, he went on to do Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl with yeah. David Fincher so yeah, it's, it, it's a film that looks really good and visually mm. it has a, a clearly thought through aesthetic
1: yes, um, yeah, The Jim. DVD
0: commentary is really interesting because it's, it's it's romantic but he's also talking with Robin Williams and it's the only DVD commentary Williams ever recorded.
1: I was going to say that sounds. I wish I'd listened to that now. <laughs>
0: um, the DVD is very cheap. <laughs> um it's yeah. widely available, um, and Williams is is very interesting. He's exactly how you'd hope he'd be. He he does make a lot of jokes all the way through, mm. but there are times where he is talking very seriously and very clearly about his ideas, about his performance, about the movie as a whole. And he talks surprisingly slowly. OK. Because you always associate him with just throwing out ideas constantly, mm. this Catherine wheel of, of noise. But when he's really focused and really serious, he slows right down and speaks very softly and quietly and calmly. And it's really interesting. And it's, it's always interesting. And you can tell that he's always fully engaged... Mm. And Romanek is a great audience because he's laughing at all of Robin's gags, <laughs> but also talking you know seriously about composition and structure and all, everything else. Yeah. So it's a it's a really good commentary, and, yeah, and, and it, well worth listening to.
1: It shows as well, I guess, that Robin Williams thought well enough of the film to be prepared to do the commentary. I mean, obviously, presumably they they flung a bit of money at him, but uh, but it's quite well, it, unusual. It it was a cheap production. It was
0: $12 million yeah, for the whole but- thing. And that included building the Save Mart store pretty much from scratch. They had an empty warehouse.
1: Oh, that's a set, isn't it? Blimey.
0: Yeah. And the warehouse was completely outfitted. All the lights were put in. All the floors were put in. All the shelves were put in. All the shelves were stocked. The um, photo lab was completely built from scratch.
1: Right.
0: All of that was probably the biggest expenditure on the budget, if not Williams himself. Mm. And it looks like a real store. It lo- I mean, you yeah. wouldn't know.
1: I never doubted it for a minute. I just assumed that they'd filmed on location. No
0: one would let them. <laughs> they, did, <laughs> okay. they did ask, obviously, because it's so much cheaper. No one yeah. would let them.
1: <laughs> ah,
0: okay. With good reason. I mean, it's... Um, if it had just been yeah. about you know, what's, what life's like in a store Then it probably would have been fine But no, it's because one of the characters Turns out to be a very dangerous person And yes. they didn't want to be associated with that In fact, there uh. was some um, It turns out that there is a, a small chain Somewhere in America called Save Mart, But they managed to get permission to use it Because all oh, this is set clearly somewhere else We don't have stores that look like that And it yeah. was a different logo So they thought it was sufficiently something else
1: they got away with it yeah
0: something else that romanek mentions is that after the film had been finished he called in a favor and sent a print to francis ford coppola for his oh, okay. feedback and i thought now come on <laughs> if <laughs> if you can ask francis ford coppola for comment for you
1: know for feedback yeah. on your movie <laughs> that's quite a favor isn't it yes yeah did he say and, what the favour? How he got this?
0: Uh, well, apparently Coppola is very supportive of upcoming filmmakers. Fair enough. Um, so uh, I remember he um, he produced the Jeepers Creepers films. I remember um, those those horror movies made by um, a convicted um, child abuser.
1: Oh, look, okay.
0: Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um but. Um, Coppola gave a lot of advice and Hmm. it started off saying generally the film is very good but there's some stuff that you need to change and move around and the film had a lot more narration and it didn't start at the end Right Because Hmm. starting where it does with the opening scene of Cy Parrish played by Robin Williams a meek blonde haired man Having his mugshot taken, Mm. and then being taken into a police interrogation room, you know something's happened. You know he's done something, and the suspense lies in finding out exactly what that is.
1: Yes, and this this is yeah. It's interesting that this this presumably that this came from the advice that Coppola gave because this is one of the areas where I'd, I'd say that the film is is very smart because it never actually comes out and tells you. Obviously, it never comes out and tells you what's been done, because that's the jeopardy. But it pretty lean, pretty heavily leans on implying that something really bad has happened. Um, and it kind of leaves you to draw your own conclusions. And, and as you say, there's also, kind of, there's also the irony of him having his photo taken by somebody that doesn't care about the job.
0: It's almost like a recurring joke in the mm. film that... The thing that sort of overrides anything that, anything else that Cy si might be feeling is people who don't care about quality photography. Yes. In any situation. Yeah, uh, uh, that's there, well. there's right. His, there's his voiceover narration at the beginning where he's talking about his job, of, of the care he puts into creating these mm. sets of prints in less than an hour. And that, you know anyone who does a two-day seminar thinks they can do it. But no, this is a labour of love. This is something you have to do very carefully in detail. And he thinks of himself as a master craftsman Hmm. with the amount of care and attention to detail he puts into his work. So I can understand entirely him getting angry and annoyed at people who just half-arse it.
1: Yeah. There's a point, Um, isn't there, there's a point where the policeman comes in with the evidence photos and... Uh, Cy asks if he can see them, and of course, not unreasonably, the policeman says, No, it's evidence, but you get a sense that he's not so much concerned about the subject of the pictures. He, as you say, he just wants to because he asks if they've got a lab, doesn't he?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's more like he wants to rate the quality of the lab work than the composition of the pictures.
0: Yeah, he he thinks that, yeah, they it turns out they do because he thinks, Well, yes, of course, you you wouldn't send them out to get developed, would you? You, you, know, you wouldn't take them to a, a photo room, you'd do them yourselves, because they were going to be police pictures. We have this narration where he talks about how people use photography, why people take photographs, that people use them to capture their best moments, mm. their favourite memories. Mm. No one takes a picture of something they want to forget. And how if you were to look through someone's photo albums you would assume that they had led a charmed happy life filled with wonderful occasions and trips and celebrations hmm. which is it's implied a fabrication and a, and a lie
1: yeah and i guess in a way it sort of um it predicts the sort of the way that people display photos on social media, doesn't it? Where there's always this constant accusation of people on social media was presenting the very best version of themselves.
0: Yeah, like every moment is a job interview. Yes, pretty much. Uh, Working at Save Mart, which is this big box Walmart-like store where uh, Si is in charge of the photo lab, Uh, his favourite customer comes in, Nina Yorkin, and she asks for uh, two sets of prints to be made up from this this reel of film. But sai marks it three. And notably, think... there's one there's one shot left on the roll. And so sai takes the camera and he's going to take a picture of Nina, but she demures. So instead he takes a, a selfie of himself.
1: Yeah, just to fill it up, because otherwise it's a waste of money. I didn't pick up that he marks it up as three. I completely missed that.
0: He has a... A friendly relationship with Mrs. Yorkin. They clearly know each other. She talks to him. She refers, uh, um, speaks to him using his first name. Mm. And um, even though the story is closing soon, Sy says, Don't worry, they'll be ready in 40 minutes before we close. Um, and he goes, makes up the pictures, puts them all together, hands them over, and realizing that it's uh, Nina's son, Jake's birthday he gives him a free disposable camera because they so, say, well, that's the, uh, the special free gift for, birth, for birthday boys. And Sai seems really nice. Yeah. He's, he's, he's friendly, he's kind, he's a professional who takes care with his work. He seems like a real prince of a man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the store closes and he goes home. And he walks through the car park, and it's at that point that it, the the temperature of the film changes. Mm. This horrible neon—not neon, but uh, sort of sodium lit but, yeah. car park—to in his bland clothes with his little flight bag over his shoulder, and gets in his bland little
1: car, which somebody's cracked the windscreen of while he's been at work, hasn't
0: they? Yeah.
1: There's just a sense of the day souring as he leaves work, which is obviously the, the opposite to most people's experience.
0: Yeah, because here, I mean, it's here, every day he's cast out of heaven. Hmm. Nina is looking at the pictures at home with her husband Will, and she tears up one bad picture, and Will is startled by the picture of Hmm. Si, and is dismissive and says, "Oh hmm. well, great. Now we've got a picture of Psy si, the
1: photo guy." And I guess as well, presumably that means he's never, he's, he doesn't go to the, uh, he doesn't go to the save mart. It's obviously, you know, he's because he doesn't recognize him. Whereas the son knows Sai. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, it, it's just one of those little, little moments that gives you a, gives you a, gives you a hint that, yeah, it's his wife and his son that does all the, does all the shopping and all the trips out. And he is obviously off doing something else.
0: Yeah. I one, yeah well at work clearly. Yes. Um Cy is um sitting in a diner eating a hamburger and he's looking through his set of the prints. And the waitress pours him some more coffee and says, "Oh, what's that's, that's a, he's a nice kid." And Sai says, "Oh, yes, he's my nephew." It was his it was his birthday today.
1: Mm. And he invents a whole backstory. Yeah. Is this the point where we realise he's taken... It's, it's been slightly longer than normal since I've seen the film, so it's, like, it's disappearing a bit like icebergs, but um, is this the point where we realise he's taken an extra set of prints, or is there a sort of sequence earlier when he's actually developing them that we suddenly realise he's making a spare set? I can't remember well, exactly the, when that...
0: It's the moment where Nina asks for two sets and he writes down three.
1: Yeah, which as I say, being massively unobservant at that point, I missed that. So I wonder if it was here where he's looking through the pictures, and that was the point when it's like, Oh, this ain't right
0: <laughs> Yeah. Jake thinks that uh Cy might be lonely, that he might have a an mm. empty life in some way, but Nina says, Well, you know, we don't actually know anything about him. He could have lots of friends. He could be you know, be married and have a family and you know mm. He, I'm, I'm sure he's fine. Don't worry about it, because he just wants to set his son's mind at rest. Yeah, and we see Sy si arrives home at, at his bland, stark apartment. And uh, one thing I realized just going through my notes earlier, I remembered Sai has a pet hamster. Yes, he does, doesn't he? And one of the first things he does when he gets home is he tops up the hamster's water bottle.
1: Mm.
0: Now, it's a trademark of psychopaths. Um, certainly in films, and it's, certain, I've, it's definitely something connected to them in real life, that they are violent and abusive to animals before they become violent and abusive to people. And yet, Psy has this little pet creature, this mm. very vulnerable small thing, which he clearly cares about. Yeah, And that's when to say, well, yeah, there's something wrong here, but he's not falling into the traditional stereotype—he's got a little pet that he looks after, mm. and cl- and clearly cares about. So, how evil can he be? Hannibal Lecter didn't have, you know, a a dog or anything. Mm. I mean, he fe- he fed someone's face to someone else's dog,
1: but <laughs> that's good for the dog, I guess. Yeah, um, is that an act yeah, of animal cruelty? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it's a- and this is obviously you've had the setup at the start in the police station. We know that something terrible has happened, and obviously the shot composition. Robin William One of the things I really like about Robin Williams' characterization of si is he gives the character a very sort of flat, measured walk, which is almost kind of mechanical. It's almost mechanical, but it's. And I know this is going to sound slightly. Like a slightly dumb thing to say, but bear with me. It's literally just a way of getting from one place. He's not walking along, looking at stuff. He's just plodding along, and it's a, it again. It gives the impression of a character that's very kind of inward focused and not really, not really sort of very repressed. Exactly. Yeah. So the film is sending out all these messages that this guy's a bit weird. This guy's done something terrible, although we haven't told you exactly how terrible yet. Oh, he's, good. he's got a hamster. And, as I say, it's just one of those moments when the film's being very clever. Um, and when he's talking to the waitress, he's ha- I mean,
0: he's lying. Yeah. But he's having quite a nice, friendly mm. conversation with her in a way that a typical movie psychopath or sociopath would find it impossible mm. to relate to them or look down on someone because they're in a service industry. Cy knows he's in a service position himself so he might well see yeah. there is
1: some kind of equal. Exactly. And again, he's quite there's no kind of fluffing when he sort of which oh, what, who are those pictures? It's straight into the lie, so it comes out very smoothly. But I suppose again you could argue that's just an extension of his sort of his customer service persona that it's just mm. very easy to talk and it's very easy to say stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, he doesn't he doesn't come across as a bad person.
0: Nina and Jake decide to send Sai good thoughts mm. um, and at that moment Sai goes into his kitchen and pours himself a glass of water and takes a sip from it and then he just stands there Yes, <laughs> for an unnervingly long period mm. of time and that was just a bit of extra material that they shot that Romanek thought might be useful. Okay. And it wasn't until they were putting the edit together where he thought that's the perfect place for it.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes how these things are just serendipity. Is it the ending of The Graduate, where the the shot just runs on the 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 story is that the shot just ran on slightly too long, and so you get that moment when Dustin Hoffman and Catherine the, Ross, Catherine Ross. Um, they just kind of look slightly... Because as far as they're concerned, the shot's finished and they don't know what to do. But, of course, they saw that and it's like, well, that's the end of the film. And it's just funny, isn't it, with these serendipitous things where, you, oh, yeah, we'll just, get, just stand there, we'll take a shot of you. Don't know what... We, we, it might come in handy. And, yes, and, so, and, of course, it ties in a bit later to the moments when he's sort of blanking out.
0: Uh, Cy uh, also has framed pictures of the Yorkins mm. uh, in his home. Uh, as though they 're his own family,
1: yeah
0: um will and Nina have an argument about work because uh will has not been around much, and he says, well you know i 've been working very hard, you know I have to earn the money that pays for all yeah. of this, pointing around himself to their lovely big house, and Nina says you know it's not a it 's not about that it 's not about the money, and it 's clear that will is in some way being." emotionally neglectful mm. he's not being cruel he's not being withholding and you can see from his interaction with his son that he cares yeah. about his son very much and he cares about his wife but there's something missing there's a there's something yeah. that's not perfect
1: yeah
0: and, and again he's listening to this
1: yes because he comes downstairs doesn't he and then runs back back up yeah. and again it strikes a nice discordant, discordant note because you have the lovely little family scene where they're all sitting on the sofa looking through the photos
0: yeah that's I mean the, that happy family is, is something mm. that they are it's not untrue but it's something that they're deliberately leaning into for their son's benefit
1: yeah and because again they're to,
0: because, that, because they're trying to protect him
1: yeah, and also, again, it's the the line about the photographs. You know, they're projecting, they're projecting their best selves, basically. Cy
0: si is sitting in his living room watching television, again, with this very just flat affect. Mm. It's completely expressionless as he's flipping across channels, and the programme that he ends up on is The Simpsons,
1: and it's yeah. the episode
0: where that's the parody of Cape Fear with Sideshow Bob. Mm.
1: Of course it is. I kept looking at that clip going, why have they chosen this one? And of course, it's the... Yeah, yeah, no, suddenly, suddenly that makes a bit more sense.
0: And of course, the, the film was made... was released by 20th Century Fox. So mm. that's The Simpsons. So licensing it was not a problem. Oh. Yeah. But it, it's almost like it's deliberately giving away the mm. movie. It's about someone obsessively pursuing a family
1: yes sorry for for people that know the simpsons and are also watching the film through for the first time it becomes one of you kind of go oh look at this it's the filmmakers sending messages this film is going to one hour photo is going to turn into cape fear and again it's about building those expectations of about exactly what's going what what you know what's going to happen later on
0: it's it's very The whole film, I think, is a very clever work of misdirection. Mm. Because all the way through, because of the way it's been restructured, you're being told that Sai is going to do something truly horrible. Yes. But when yes. it's eventually revealed what he's done, and he has committed a crime, obviously, mm. it's completely different from what you would expect. And his motivation makes you wonder how far this is going to go in legal terms. Mm. And the final shot in particular, and I mean the word shot very specifically, that's something that's important to talk about because Mm. the way the director intended it is totally different from the way I think most people would read it. Okay. But we'll get on to that. Yeah. Um, But as he's sitting watching television... The camera pans across to the the wall next to it mm. and com- completely covering about three quarters of the wall is picture after picture after picture of the Yorkins, mm. duplicates of almost every single picture they have had processed by him yeah. for 10 years or more
1: hundreds of prints do you think i I, i'm a bit in two minds about the editing of this sequence because it obviously what it is is it's cut 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 so you see a picture and then it cuts to a different picture then it cuts to a different picture i couldn't i was genuinely trying to work out in my head if that was more effective than literally just a slow pan down that basically just keeps going so it sort of starts at the top Pans all the way down, then goes across, and then pans up. I don't. I'm not sure. What do you reckon? What did you think of the sort of the way that this sequence is put together?
0: I think that um, it it gets gets the message over more
1: quickly. I guess.
0: Yes, there's a concision there. I mean, also it's worth saying Hmm. this is a comparatively short film. It's only ninety two minutes.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true. But, um you remember how Bohemian Rhapsody won the uh, Oscar for Best Editing? No, really? And, and it, Yeah, it did. Um, Blimey, was it people, was people, the opposite people... week? Yeah, I know. Uh, I, mean, um, I mean, this is, of course, in the wake of Top Gun Maverick being Oscar-nominated for its script. Um, but uh, people joked at the time that it was actually... It won the Oscar for Most Editing, because yeah. there's that scene where the band the meeting their uh-huh. new manager in the Riverside pub, and there's so... And it's just constantly cut between different angles, yeah. and it's terrible. But I saw a very good video, and I've probably mentioned this before, I saw a very good video that broke that scene down, and why the editing doesn't work. And it said specifically, every edit should tell a story, should be mm-hmm. part of the story. It's not just looking from one place to the next. There is a reason why you are, at that moment, yeah. you have gone from looking at this, to looking at that. So... With cutting between a string of the pictures, rather than panning mm. across them, you're creating impact. It's not uh, a slow progression. It's bang, 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 bang. And you can see the passage of time to s- mm. to show the amount of time that Psy has been doing this.
1: Yeah, it's what, what wrong-footed me about it was that I watched it, and of course it starts cutting. And my immediate reaction was, oh, the reason they're cutting is because... Most of those pictures are duplicates, or most of them are just kind of mock. You know, and then I sort of sat there. Well, Kubrick would have made sure they were all individual pictures. But actually, when you watch it cut, I think it all—I don't think it ever cuts to a repeat of the same picture. So they did. They must have taken hundreds of pictures. It just seemed, it seemed odd that they went to that effort and then presented it in a way that, I suppose. <sighs> potato, potato, isn't it? I thought that a slow pan would have much more of that sense of growing menace, because if you've stuck, if you're stuck in a shot, going, oh, this is never going to end, is it? This is really, this is really creepy, and it keeps going. This is even creepier than I thought. But it doesn't have that, as you say, it doesn't have that immediate impact of here's one, here's another one, here's another one. Yeah.
0: You have the menace coming, I think, from when you see the wall. Mm, that's true. And it's clear that it's it's a wall of photos, and you can see, f- even from that distance, that there's lot lots and lots of different ones, and mm. uh, there's yeah, it's no. not a it's not a pattern or it's not lots of repeats. Mm. Um, so then it's just a matter of detail of punctuation and making it clear this is these yes. are, these are all pictures of the Yorkins over a long period of time. So it's it's the edit there is telling the story of. Mm. You already know this. Here's the detail. We're going to show you the detail to make it clear and then that's it.
1: And then move on. And we're it's not possi- going to have a long
0: pan, but, but we're not going to have a long pan because that's going to take too long and you're going to lose interest because we're going to be telling you stuff that you already know. We're going to be quick and fast and then yeah. it's done.
1: And it might have been too out of style with the rest of the film to have done it that way. That's the other thing, because the rest of the film isn't particularly long, slow and menacing. So to suddenly have a sequence where the pace to... Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, as I say, it was just a moment when it stuck in my head where I kind of looked at it and went, I wonder, if... wonder what it would have been like if you'd done it differently. But actually, I think yeah. the answer is, having talked it through, I suspect the answer is not as effective.
0: But it's the kind of thing that they might have looked at in the editing room and thought, "Well, let's look at it different ways." We've, hmm. you know, or when they were filming, thought, "Well, let's do let's do a long plan and then let, let's do some short close-ups," and that yeah. gives us options later on because it, we're just taking pictures of static objects. This isn't going to take long. Hmm. Monday morning at Save Mart, as Sai tells us, is is a very busy day with everyone coming in with their pictures from the weekend, and. He talks about it now very cheery, very chatty. He talks about some of his regular customers. There's a lady who only takes pictures of her cats. Hmm. There's an insurance adjuster who only ever brings in pictures of wrecked and damaged cars. There's a frazzled new father who brings in endless pictures of his newborn children. Yes. There's a nurse who brings in... um, uh, pictures of injuries
1: oh it's cosmetic uh, surgery or something isn't it cosmetic yeah cosmetic
0: surgery that's it, yeah, yeah, and, and there is a very shifty looking guy who um uh, fans of he, Jaffa cakes for Proust will refer to as a pornocrat
1: yeah um, I believe he's actually who, credited as amateur pornographer yeah Sorry, he's he's, credited-
0: actually played, he's played by Jim rash, who later would be an oscar nominated scriptwriter oh right. As well as uh, one of the cast of um, community. Oh, okay. Um, and yes, he's brought in amateur pornography to develop. And hmm. as Sy says, well, obviously, yeah, that's not great. But anything that isn't um, obviously abusive or involves children, that's fine. And it, you know th- yeah. that stuff we have to we have to report to the police, obviously. But otherwise, yeah. anything goes. And a technician's come to service one of the machines and Cy starts an argument with him mm. because he's not doing as good a job and the machine, the developing machines are not being properly calibrated
1: I think he's actually called the, he's called the guy out because he's, report, he's Cy has reported a fault, hasn't he um, which in one of these things that's just going to cause endless confusion now is it's a fault with the Cyan setting I think, isn't it?
0: Yeah well, of course, I mean, Psy, the name, is short for Seymour, which is hmm. very on the nose.
1: Yes, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, guess didn't think of that.
0: And all the um, last names and things in the movie, they're all named after photographers.
1: Oh, Parrish,
0: okay. Yorkin, Owens, Van Der Zee, uh, even the name of the hotel they go to at the end, they're all named after
1: photographers. right. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked up on that at all.
0: Neither, neither would I. I hadn't heard of any of them.
1: I just got distracted um, by the fact that, and we haven't met him yet, but I got distracted by the fact that Gary Cole's character is Bill Owens, which immediately made me think of Compo from Last of the Summer Wine.
0: Well, exactly. Yeah, and uh, of course, only a couple of years earlier, he played another boss mm. called Bill um, in Office Space.
1: Oh, right. Well, I didn't know the characters, both characters were Bill.
0: Yeah. Hmm. And so Bill, the manager, is is watching as Cy has this shouting match on the shop floor, which is obviously mm. not very professional. And later, Cy's going for his lunch, and he's what he's looking at this picture of
1: the Yorkins
0: opening their Christmas presents.
1: And this is and the bit... He zones out, doesn't he? He completely... But there's an incredibly... Having said before about the fast editing, there's an incredibly long shot of his face of Robin Williams face it's just blank and this is the point where I don't really know it was almost kind of like I blanked out myself because I just kind of this is the shot that I just got lost in to the extent I think that when Bill walks up behind him and tries to get Sai's attention it made me jump it was I was really surprised just at this one particular bit I just got so wrapped up in just staring at this blank face it was really quite unnerving
0: well, he's he's almost put himself into the image mm. because you have the Yorkins sitting around in their, their Christmas pyjamas. Oh, that's with their presents. right, yes. And then suddenly the camera pans to one side and Si is sitting there as well in his Christmas mm. pyjamas with a Santa hat on holding up a jumper
1: and saying, oh, it's great, it's just what I wanted. That's, what I want. that's quite a cleverly constructed shot as well, isn't it? Because the camera pans in a way that there's almost like no three-dimensional movement. I don't quite know how to describe it. But it does almost... It is almost... Well, it is exactly as if the camera was set up inside a photograph and you were looking around it. It's very, very well done, just, just technically.
0: I think that the fact that Romanic had worked so... For such a long time in music videos, which are, particularly at the mm. time, they were very technically complex... Yeah. Um, creations um requiring so much expertise i mean you look at david fincher's music mm. videos they're complicated you know multi-level swiss watch things um it's not surprising that the the technical competence of this film is as high as it is because mm. remanex had so much time to to get used to everything there's um i, I can't I don't think i've ever done talked about it much in the podcast but the film carnival of souls Oh, wow. which is this early, early 60s independ- American independent film, and it's quite a straightforward ghost story. Okay. And it's the it's the only film made by its director, and he made it with his regular camera crew, but his company made instructional films and industrial films huh. and, like, public information films, so... It's this horror film made by people who know exactly how, th- how this works. They know exactly how to work the camera, get good shots, all of that stuff, how to do the sound, everything. Mm. But it's a horror film that's filmed as though it's a public information film. Okay. <laughs> and the result is that it's really, it's just off somehow. Yeah. That there's just something wrong about the atmosphere, that it doesn't feel like a normal movie. Mm. And it's nothing to do with the level of competence. It's clearly a cheap film but it's just as though they've forgotten it's not about beware of
1: ghosts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's odd. It's almost like the inverse of the kind of the public information films that they were making in the UK in the 70s, where you would get these very, very short films that were almost like miniature horror films in themselves, because, again, there's just something very... Well, the the, the kids will call it hauntology, don't they? This... Yeah this sense that uh, there's something unnatural and unnerving. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's, but it's interesting. No, I, I've not heard of Carnival of Souls, but yes, it almost sounds like the inverse of a public information mm. film.
0: The work of uh, John Krish in public information films has been very highly praised. I've, I've definitely reviewed one of his films on the YouTube channel. Oh, um, right. He was a, a public information filmmaker and documentarian.
1: Right. Um, what, f- what film did you review?
0: Uh, well, I did a couple of his. He did a. He made a film for the Ministry of Defence about um, how to resist enemy brainwashing if you're captured during the the Korean War, and it turned mm. into this like hour and fifteen minute long film about oh. prisoners of war during the Korean War, and it's this very stark serious documentary like story and it was shelved by the army because they thought yeah. this was too much they couldn't use it yeah um and he went on to be a documentary maker he made a really interesting documentary called HMP which was about what it's like in prison yeah in the 70s it's like you know the the documentary on which porridge was based but it's it's just showing you what day-to-day life is like a yeah. very um straightforward non-judgmental film about what what's prison really like and hmm. some stuff that i hadn't even thought of like um at this particular prison i can't remember which one it was they had a special unit for those who had were coming to the end of very long sentences and it was allowed them a degree of autonomy where they had their own kitchens they had like, their own sort of laundry areas where they could kind of get used to what it's like being in the outside world again. Wow. Where they can <laughs> yeah, you know, they allowed a degree of autonomy about keeping their own hours, they are cooking their own meals. It's hmm. just to kind of ease them away from being institutionalized. And I thought hmm. well yeah, obviously they they, they they can't just let people back out again with nothing, with no support, even in even in the 70s. Um but Chris just shows everything very calmly and very clearly. But he also did some of the great public information films, like um I think he I think he did Apaches.
1: Ooh, um, right, yes.
0: And uh the finishing line, some of the really dark ones about pro- uh, you- dead children. Yes. Um I think uh, the the spirit of dark and lonely water was one of his as well.
1: Okay, yeah. Yes, well yeah. Anyway the-
0: as you say, um Bill the manager suddenly looms up behind sigh mm. and um,
1: your lunch finished 90 uh, minutes ago or whatever or, or yeah. so you've taken a 90 minute lunch break yeah
0: yeah and says so, you know look you need to remember where in the company food chain you are mm. and you know maybe you need to take some time off
1: oh that's right he tries to get him to take some annual leave doesn't he
0: yeah and as you say so yeah. also you've been here for an hour and a half don't you think you should be getting back to work so he's going back to his uh, station and bumps into Will Yorkin, mm. who asks him is there to buy a shredder and asks him about something. And Cy si is startled.
1: Yeah, yeah, because he's he's. he's even, it's that weird thing, isn't it, of of meetings? It's like meeting somebody. It's like meeting an actor where you know who they are and they don't know who you are. Yes. Well, it's funny you say that because there's quite a lot of um,
0: additional material on the DVD and behind-the-scenes footage, and it's quite surprising how easily Robin Williams slips in and out of character, because okay. there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of sort of unusable takes where he's doing a Robin Williams comedy performance, right. uh, particularly that scene where I mean I think this voice he does a voiceover explaining it where it's like. He's, as you say, he's meeting a famous celebrity, mm. and in in the finished films, he's really underplaying it. Mm. But in in the other takes, Robin Williams is like, "Oh my god, it's Will Yorkin! Hey everybody, come and meet Will Yorkin!" Because he's treating him like this world famous celebrity.
1: Yeah, it must be fascinating. So he- <laughs> Sorry, i just that, that thing of just having to direct Robin Williams and just, well, I mean, just dial dial it down a notch. Well that's the thing. I mean,
0: Williams knew that it was going to be very restrained, very mm. um repressed and, and quite severe. But I think doing doing scenes like that where he can just really mm. overplay it, I think that then it gives the actor the sense of right, this is this is what Cy would do if he could, but no, yeah. he's everything is small, everything is on the inside. He can't do that. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a way of, sort of letting off steam and informing the performance as well. Hmm. And Romanex you know, got a smile on his face the whole time, so he thinks this is hilarious. So he doesn't <laughs> mind at all. Um, and Sai is able to, because because this is Sai's domain, hmm. so he's able to. Ah, oh, oh, oh I, I'm I'm sorry, this isn't my section. Let me get you some help. And he gets reaches to the phone nearby, and he and he calls for some help to the US. Oh, someone will be lo- along in just a moment. Hmm. And it's very yes, yes. This is this is my world. This is where I am in charge. But and I think Jake is all, there
1: as all the way through. This is this Bill is looking down from above, and you know, I, I've got a feeling that this is there's the, all through the sequence. You 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 get occasional cutaways to Bill sort of gazing down disapprovingly. Um, but yes, sorry. Yeah. But then he goes. Then he bumps into Jake.
0: Well, he also says to Will um, while while they're waiting, "Oh, uh, oh, you know, I've I developed your pictures, and you know, and um, I think you're a you're a very you're a very lucky man with a very lovely house and a very lovely mm. family." And that's a weird thing for a person to say.
1: Yes, it really is, isn't it? Does he say they've got a lovely house? Yeah, he he, he cro- There's definitely a point where he, his character crosses the line. Um, not you know, n- not in a way that's anything immediately terrible, but just that thing of, of effectively revealing that he knows slightly too much about them.
0: I mean, it's it's awkward because, as he says, he he's been developing their pictures for over ten years. Mm, yeah, so he's seen all the big milestones in their lives. Are he, is secondhand. this secondhand?
1: Really- is this where he says he's the, he almost feels like an uncle or something? No,
0: that's later on in the restaurant. Ah, right,
1: In Got the uh, in the food court. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, yeah. It is again. It's like, it's like watching a character on TV. Yo, know, you 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 feel like you know the actor. Yeah, you and I suppose for 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 somebody else. You're perhaps not going to be sitting there going, oh, "I can't believe they got rid of that carpet." It went really well with the curtains, but uh, that's obviously the level of scrutiny. Yeah, you know, he he literally he's following their family like it's a soap opera.
0: Yeah, uh, Jake is there, and he um, he's got a, a toy that he wants to get, which is a um, a character from the anime series Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, which I, which I probably should have looked up because I know almost nothing about it. But mm. um, Romanek was drawn to this this figure, which was this sort of white, avenging angel type character. I think it has, mm. a, has these big wings and also a sword. And it seemed like something that Sai might associate with this, this angel in this heavenly environment, but also a figure of vengeance with mm. a blade. Yeah, nothing
1: to worry about there.
0: Um, but um, Will says he can't have it. No, no, enough, enough toys now. Come on. Mm. And also, um, I can't. I can't remember the context of the scene. But Nina's reading a Deepak Chopra book. Oh. Which comes up, and I can't remember how. Sai um, finds out about it.
1: Does, he see it? In, yeah, I've got to say, I'm slightly stumped by this now. Does he see it in one of the pictures, or does he see it in her... She's got it in her bag, or...?
0: I think she has it in her bag when he when she yeah, comes to the
1: counter. That might be it.
0: But he yes... Visits, um, he visits a flea market. Mm. And is, is looking around, and he finds where there are boxes and boxes of old photographs for sale. Mm. And he's looking through them and he buys a picture, a very old picture of uh, a lady. And I think it's at that point where he talks in the voiceover about how important snapshots are. Hmm. Because they're a sign that the person who took the photograph cared enough about you to take your photograph, to take your picture.
1: It's quite a nice and little... That, sequ- it, sorry, go on.
0: And that there are, there are no pictures of any trivial instances in people's lives. Only, uh, only the major things, regardless of how important they wind up being.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's quite, that's quite a nice little sequence, the flea market sequence, because it's presented as, oh good, he's got a hobby. Effectively. he he Obviously, this is what he does at the weekends. He goes out, he likes browsing toward photographs. Don't know why he's buying them to collect them. Maybe he buys them because he likes the composition. There's obviously something about particular pictures that speak to him. But it's a really nice, sweet little sequence. Until a bit further on in the film spoils it.
0: Yeah. Um, He goes to the Yorkins' house and sits Mm. outside and sees them drive off and then he goes in the house
1: this was the The second sorry this was the second bit of the film where I just got completely wrapped up in what was going on
0: Um, the back door is open for some reason he goes inside and starts looking around and he sees the the selfie that he took Mm. is pinned up on the fridge Which he's charmed by. He looks in Jake's room and it's all messy. And then there's a cut and he's using the toilet.
1: (laughs) And that's... What do they say about that sequence in the commentary? Because I would be willing to bet actual cash that that was improvisation by Robin Williams. Did they say if it's scripted or not? I
0: honestly don't remember. But it's... It works both ways, I think. Because it's funny because it's a, that mm. sudden cut to him just using the toilet. But also, it's really unpleasant,
1: because it's,
0: he's it's in, in someone's house, and they don't the,
1: know he's there. Yeah, and it's weirdly for intimate, for want of a better word. It's a really... I don't think you could... The, 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 the shots of him wandering around the house, you're kind of going, oh, sorry, this ain't right. But when you suddenly see him using the toilet, it's... It's almost like it really. it's a really invasive act. It's really strange. Um, but yeah, I'd g- genuinely, I'd just be fascinated to know if that was scripted or improvised. Um, and I, I lean towards thinking that it was something that Robin Williams suggested on The Spur of the Moment. But... And then
0: there's another cut, and now he's sitting on the sofa, mm. he's wearing a college sweatshirt yeah. that he's found, and he's drinking a beer whilst watching an American football game. And this is really crossing a line now. Mm. And it's obviously at this point that the family comes home.
1: Yes, and this... I don't quite know why I had this very specific reaction to this film, this particular bit. I actually had to pause the film at this point, because I just found that there was something about that particular... the tension at that moment just really got to me. And... I don't know how i expected the film to proceed from that point whether it was just going to be that the door opened and he'd just made a really quick getaway or whether they were going to come in and there was going to be lots of screaming and shouting and that was a but i was really surprised this this bit got me all knotted up and i absolutely i yeah i had to put pause, i paused the film for about a minute before i kind of gathered myself and started watching it again. I was I was just really surprised at the way I reacted to this bit.
0: I think it taps into quite primal anxieties, the idea mm. of the authority figure walking in, finding you doing something that you shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, and then how does the authority figure react? How? Do, yeah, yeah, definitely. And in this case, the authority figures
0: react in absolutely mm. not the way... I was expecting when I first no. saw this. Not the way you no. were expecting, clearly. No, definitely um, they, not. They, they see Sai and they say, oh, hi, I thought you were going to be out all day. Yeah. And, and it this... turns out that... And then it cuts back to him sitting in his car and he's imagined the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and it's absolutely... What it what it instantly reminded me of is, um, is it King of Comedy? Where yeah. you have all the... You have... Are they dream sequences? Are they not dream sequences? Because that was Martin Scorsese's thing, wasn't it? Was you know, you don't you don't want to know if it's fantasy or reality. So you don't want to put like spooky music or subliminal echoes or any of that stuff on. It's and yeah, and that's what this this just made me think of all those sequences from the King of Comedy. Um mm. and it's all the better for it because Yeah, you just you just assume that you're being presented with something you just assume that, that that what you're seeing is literally what's happening in the film and it's such a brilliant rug pull when it's revealed that it's uh, it's just in his head. Yeah, yeah, I'm full of admiration for this bit.
0: The film is presented almost entirely from Sai's point of view. Mm. So the film presents as reality that which Sai perceives as being real and mm. he is so wrapped up in his fantasy of being... Part of the Yorkins' lives Mm. that you can play that scene totally real. So he 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 breaks into the house knowing it's not his house, but then the fantasy takes over with the way that the Yorkins respond, saying, "Oh, oh, oh, hello! I thought I didn't know you were going to be home. Oh, how, Mm. oh, how's 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 your day been?" And Jake comes over and says, "Oh, hi, Uncle Sy."
1: And I wonder as well if, again, going back to what we were talking about, the editing and the placement of scenes, maybe what makes this work all the better is we've seen an obviously fake fantasy before where he's looking at the picture and it go, and it's like, again, without it sort of having spooky sound effects or music cues, that sequence where he's looking at the picture and the camera pans around to show him is obviously a fantasy because photos don't work like that. But... Yeah, you've you've already had the sequence that sets up effectively how the fantasies how the fantasies in this film are going to work, and I think it just as a, it just makes the reveal all the more effective for this bit.
0: He drives away, and then next time at work, he's serving another customer, a woman named Maya, and he seems to get on with her rather well. they mm. are thinking, mm. oh, there's a bit of chemistry there. That seems,
1: yeah, a bit of life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> yes, uh, no, I'm not exactly watching it going, Go on, my son, but it, it is a bit yeah. like there is that sense of going, Go on, sir, you know, there's a Yeah, may- maybe all he needs is the love of a good woman. Yeah, all the all the one, friendly. Yeah,
0: and that's just tricking you into falling into another trap because mm. I don't think they, they do oh they do meet again, of course they do. But in very different circumstances. Yes, yeah. Um, I like how we're being really cagey about this, so people who haven't seen the film don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Sai um, comes to Jake's football practice, soccer practice, I should say, mm. and he's just sitting in the stands on his own, uh, a middle-aged man watching young boys playing football, and then walks Cy back through, the, walks Jake back through the park, and he reveals that he's bought the um, uh, Neon Genesis oh, Evangelion yeah. toy he's bought it for Jake and so here you can have it and Jake says no my mum and dad wouldn't like it if I took it mm. so he knows yeah don't take stuff from strangers you don't know Si yeah. well enough and he's, he's a clever kid yeah. because again it would be easy to fall into that and for the audience to think ah that's something that you know maybe he he lured Jake into doing something. No, Jake is too clever and too, you know, sensible at his age to yeah. fall for something like that. Even though, as far as we know, Cy si just wants to give the kid a gift.
1: Yeah. Because yeah.
0: he wanted it. He's, he's, he sees himself as the kindly indulgent uncle mm. and nothing worse. And as, as, as they talk, Cy si mentions that when he was a child, he was ill all the time. Oh, that's
1: right. And, yes.
0: And he would have mononucleosis and hepatitis and all these various conditions. And something that is mentioned on the commentary, I went away and checked. All the illnesses he mentions having have one specific thing in common. Oh, wait, what's that? They are all they are all spread through sexual contact.
1: Ah. Uh, okay. None of them. Yeah. Are,
0: none of them are especially serious. And as Sai is healthy enough for a man his age, but again, it's if you don't know, you don't necessarily pick up on that. No. Sai follows Nina in a mall, and um, sits near her while she's um, having her lunch in the food court, and they get to talking and. Uh, that—that's uh, the point where he jokes that he thinks of himself as being like their uncle Sai, mm. and it reveals that Sai's um, bought a copy of the book that Nina's reading, the Deepak Chopra yeah. book, uh, *The Path to Love*, and oh, oh, what an incredible coincidence! Mm-hmm. But the thing is, Sai clearly has been reading it, yeah, because he says that what well, something that really stuck out at him was. The the things that we fear the most have already happened. Yeah, and that points to some that it points to the psychology. Why is Psy like this? Mm. Because the film hasn't really gone into his motivation at all. Yeah. All we, all, all we can really fill in is that, oh, maybe he's he's just lonely and socially awkward, so he's latched onto this happy family. But no, it's more complicated than that.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not but... saying, oh, beware of socially awkward people. No, size has a very specific backstory which will mm. be explained, or not explained exactly, but you're given enough clues to work it out to work it out for yourself. Yeah.
1: And I think the other thing um, as well is he's he's obviously read the book, and it's spoken to him because there's you know, the, you know, it's not just he's not just reading the I don't I'd never got the impression he's just reading the book because he can sort of imagine sitting in bed next to uh, Nina while she's reading. It's nothing as sort of crude as that. No, you you do get the impression that he's again he's engaged with the book, and it's sort of its emotional message is resonating with him.
0: Mm. I didn't. I didn't think of it as him uh, you know, lying in bed with her. I imagined them, you know, sitting in the kitchen talking about it having coffee. Yeah,
1: that's true. Because... Yeah, more of a book club sort of. But that's what that's yeah. what I meant. There's there's nothing sort of creepy. Okay, the whole principle of reading a book because you know somebody else is reading it is is obviously creepy. But uh, he's not. Beyond... But
0: it's he's he's not trying to insert himself into their.
1: No, that's their, that's what their, I was trying their,
0: to. Their marriage or their. Uh, romantic relationship he's trying mm. to insert himself into the family relationship yeah he's not even he trying imagi- to
1: lure he- Nina away or anything like that
0: no because yeah. he, he, treats, he treats Will like a celebrity he's, yeah. he imagines himself as, as you know living in the granny flat over the garage yeah. or something
1: yeah being part of this happy complete family yeah um, he says that he doesn't
0: have any living family but he does have a snapshot of his mother
1: Mm. And he pulls
0: out the picture that he bought at the flea market.
1: Yes, and this is the moment when, as I say, that lovely heartwarming scene that I'd found quite endearing earlier suddenly seemed a lot more cynical.
0: Yeah, he was just looking for the
1: raw materials needed to continue the charade. Yeah. But interesting as well, because that presumably means... and I hadn't really thought this through. That means he either doesn't have a picture of his mother... Or he doesn't want to use a... Pit. I, I, it's just... Int- it's just a, a, Thinking about it, it's just an interesting little moment that he has to go shopping for a picture he can present as his mum.
0: Yes. As you say, he either doesn't have one or if he has access to one, he doesn't want to use it. Doesn't want to, yeah. Um, at work, there's, um, they're disposing of dangerous chemicals. And that was something mm. that Romanek wanted to add is the... The, the boring workaday aspects of, of yeah. yeah, you end up with lots of horrible chemicals that you've then got to dispose of. So that yeah. so you see him walking around in, like, a hazmat suit. Yes, yes, yeah, but, but that's and, the thing.
1: says,
0: oh, what the hell are you doing? So, you know, it's Wednesday. We're getting rid of the old chemicals. Yeah.
1: It's interesting, I guess, because it kind of employs that the Bill doesn't necessarily know the routine of his own store. But again, it's just another thing to show... Sai is diligent. You know, he's wearing all the proper PPE. He's doing this by the book,
0: and he's he has a good working relationship with his assistant Yoshi mm. as
1: well. Yeah, yes. Apart from Where... his relationship, apart from his relationship with Bill, there's nothing to suggest that his co-workers find him. They don't find him odd. He's just Sai, the photo guy.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a scene later that it comes up fairly soon that I, that where Yoshi's relationship with him is it's very interesting. Mm. But um Bill takes um Cy up to his office and says, "Look, we've had an investigation. The counters on the developing machines don't match the number of prints we're selling." Mm. And it's not a matter of you know, a few here and there that could be you know, a, a, a mistake or an oversight or, or, you know, a bad set of prints here and there. It's literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds out. And this is your responsibility. What What on earth's going on? Mm. And Psy blames it on the machines. He blames it on the people from AGFA or whoever it is. Yeah. And says, well, yeah, well, you've been behaving weirdly. You're taking hour and a half lunch breaks and zoning out, staring at pictures. You're giving away free cameras to kids. This can't carry on anymore. You're fired. Hmm. Yeah. And, and we cut to him, but we cut to him sitting on a bed just looking at it, you know, just looking down, looking sad, and the camera pulls back, and he's sitting in the furniture department.
1: Oh, that's right, yes.
0: And again, I think that's that combination of it's funny, but it's also really Psychologically interesting and emotional.
1: Mm. It's a again, it's a vague character moment because he doesn't want to. He doesn't go home to feel sad. Yeah, he doesn't. It, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does and all also, his thinking and, at work.
0: And he's on a child's bed.
1: Oh, yeah, specifically,
0: didn't. not an not an adult's bed. But well, he, he's he's there. I feel because the the store was his his happy place.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And now he's been cast out of heaven for the final time. Um, he's got to finish up for the end of the day. Um, and Nina and Jake arrive, mm. dropping off more prints. And Sy si is weirdly brisk, and he says he's yeah. okay.
1: Yeah, it's enough for Nina to notice.
0: Yeah. Um, he can't get it's it's Jake's disposable camera that uh, he's going to develop, and he. Can't get it open, and he winds up just smashing it open mm. to get to the film inside. Um, and he looks through the pictures that Jake's taken, and with the best will in the world, they're all kind of rubbish, which yeah. is the point, because Jake is a small child, yeah. But they're his his view of the world, and yeah. size looking through them, and he's weeping
1: mm.
0: because of being able to see it, being able to see the world through the eyes of this innocent child who has has this loving family at everything that he knows he's going to lose in a few hours.
1: Yeah, he's losing the ability, as you say, he's losing the ability to see through the eyes of a happy family, isn't it? It's almost not... He's not weeping because he's lost his job, he's weeping because he's lost his perspective.
0: Yeah. Um, At this point, he also remembers something, and he, mm. when uh, Maya came to drop off the film before, he thought that he recognised her. Um, and he is able to go back through his own personal archive, and realises that he had seen her in pictures Will had taken at work. Mm. And that she's actually a colleague of his. Oh, and looking look we- through Maya's own film. Yes. He, he realizes that the two of them, Nina and uh, Will and Maya are having an affair. Yeah. And that's that's enough to push him over the edge. Yep. As he's leaving, he tells Yoshi that he's been fired. Mm. And Yoshi is very polite to him as he goes. And he says, you know, I, I've I've learned an awful lot from you. Thank you, and I I want to maintain the the high standards that you have set. Hmm. Thank you for thank you for everything, Sai. And you can read that either as Yoshi genuinely appreciating Sai's work and his professionalism, or Yoshi ensuring himself should Sai come back to the shop with a gun.
1: <laughs> Possibly, I've so got to he's I- hoping
0: that if. If I say something nice to him now, if he comes back angry, he'll let me live.
1: I guess I, I've got—I definitely didn't read it like that. I, I've got to say I, I read it the, much the other way round. That it was just yes, it was somebody that was again also maybe just a bit because there's some comment about Yoshi not being very good at doing something, isn't there? Um, and there is a vague sense that. Sai has sort of taken Yoshi in hand a bit and has shown him how to do things properly. I almost got the impression that that Yoshi was 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 being genuine, but uh, <laughs> he could be. It's ambiguous enough mm. because Sai only ever goes
0: back to the the save mark once more, and then well, it's yes. in a in a purely benign, well, not benign, but apparently benign mode, yes. just as a customer. Yeah. And he doesn't do he doesn't do anything in the store that is in any way um, would Not raise a crazy flag, or
1: inappropriate. Yeah,
0: no, he's he's totally he's totally reasonable. Mm. Um, but as he's leaving the store, I mean, also as he's walking away from the the kiosk, his expression completely changes and it just goes totally dead. Yeah, and we see him using the keys that he still has to unlock a cabinet and take out a hunting
1: knife yes have we sorry i am have we talked about did we mention the fact that he stuck one of the a copy of the picture of will and maya into uh jake's photos yeah oh we did mention yeah he that. Has. I, I, yeah, yeah i no, can remember sorry, we, I'm, no we did sorry i was saying yes yes
0: that, that's something that happened yeah. in the film yeah um so he follows nina home Mm. <laughs> um, and watches from a distance through the window, I think using the telescopic zoom on a camera.
1: He follows them home in the car, doesn't it? Because And there's a point where the car... And you never see a shot in the car, but you suddenly see Nina's car stop. And it's that thing of going, OK, I know you, know... you know what photo she's got to, or you know that Jake has just said, well, what's this one doing in here? And then you get a weird little... A very kind of thrillery shot... Of Jake looks down and sees Sae's car in the wing mirror, and mm. he obviously recognises it. And again, I don't know if it's vaguely setting up an expectation that, you know, it's kind of almost there to make the audience think that there will be a scene later on where Sae's repeatedly driving past their house, and and Jake will sort of see the car and clock it and go, why does si keep, You know, it's that kind of. It feels like a setup for something else that's coming later on. But it isn't, obviously.
0: Because Sai watches through the window of the mm. family having dinner. Yeah. And it's a very neutral atmosphere and no yeah. one's doing anything. And Sai actually says to himself, what is wrong with these people?
1: He's got a camera. Having gone back to all those speeches about people only want to take photos of the important moments, he wants to take a photo of... Um, Nina going all what's the film where some poor wife gets a grapefruit in the face? Is it Little Caesar or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he he wants a he wants to get the picture of Nina going all Little Caesar on Will. And it never happens, I, yeah.
0: I thought that he he was using the zoom on the camera purely to see oh, better. I didn't okay. I didn't think he was going to use it to take a picture. Yeah. But you 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 know, it could be that he wants to take a picture of them being honest and reconciling, and the happy Mm. family being okay.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: He goes home and on television is playing the ending of The Day the Earth Stood Still, Mm. where Michael Rennie, as the Jesus-like alien Klaatu, finally delivers his ultimatum to the earth, and says that if you pursue your present course, you will face obliteration. Mm. As indeed does Psy.
1: Yep. And he's up on a ladder doing something, isn't he? Although at this point yeah. we're not shown what he's doing, but he's obviously doing something to the pictures.
0: And he has a dream that night as well. Uh, that he's yeah. standing in the, the empty Save Mart. I hated
1: this sequence. <laughs> his,
0: his eyes sort of fill up with blood, and then suddenly blood fountains from his eyes. You know and what? He I was... screams and suddenly sits straight up in bed.
1: You know what I was saying earlier about how clever the home invasion sequence is? And then suddenly yeah. you get this dream sequence, and it's all stupid, and it's all dream sequency, and the lighting's all wrong, and there's weird noises, and ah. Uh, I just thought this bit was really, really dumb. And it really annoyed me because the rest of the film up to this point has been so smart. And then suddenly you get stupid, generic, thriller, dream sequency bit. Yeah. Yeah, I really... I, I was offended by this, but...
0: Well, notably, he also has the um, Evangelion toy on his bedside table. Mm, yes, yeah. Uh, he goes somewhere the next day. We don't quite see where. Mm.
1: Yeah, you don't really know what's going on. Because initially, yeah. I thought he'd gone back to the Yorkins' house.
0: He's taken out his his little pocket mm. camera that he's uses all the time and just takes a series of photos over and over again standing in this one place and in the narration he says that the term snapshot was actually originally a hunting term. Mm. And it actually means to shoot from the hip. Yes. So he takes the photos to save Mo to be developed because he's a customer. Yep. And Bill is furious to see him there. But you know, Yep. But he, ca- he can't really do anything. So now no. I'm just here to have some pictures developed. Yeah. Because I, I know these machines. I know they're properly set. I know the stuff. I'm happy to have my pictures developed here. So he then goes off and sits in his car waiting for Will and Maya to leave the office. Now, there's a recurring thing at this point I've written. Yes. That Cy only ever eats junk food.
1: I'll take your word. He, well, for I that. say yeah. junk
0: food. He eats takeaway food. He eats fast food. He, he has that child's co- bed. He he has he mm. sits on the child's bed in the supermarket. He watches the Simpsons on TV, a cartoon. Mm. It's it's the childhood that he, for, he seems to be living now.
1: Yeah, for some he, reason he even he makes it. He has a drink of water. He doesn't make himself a coffee or a cup of tea or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does. He certainly never cooks for himself.
0: We see him drink a beer once in his fantasy. Yes. Um, That's where he he gets to be a grown-up. That's where he gets to be a real boy. Hmm. Um, Yoshi, having developed the pictures, takes them to Bill. And it's revealed that they are... The entire role Mm. is a series of increasingly tight zooms on his daughter in her playground. Yes. So obviously the police turn up. Yeah. and uh we're introduced to very late in the film another major character um yes, yeah. detective Fantasy.
1: We've, we've seen him at the start because of course he's the guy that's talking to Sai who says you must have really hated him to do that to him. But yes. Yeah. Uh this again I have problems with this sequence. I know it feels like the the the, the, the script is trying to set a sort of precise sequence of dominoes in motion, but it feels like it does it in a slightly clunky way. Um, the script needs to get the police to size house so that they can see all the photos of the family on the wall. Um, but Detective Van Der Zee has this whole speech, doesn't he, about how we've put out an APB and we've put... Plain clothed cops outside, and we've got cops going to his house with a search warrant. And I'm sitting there going, "What law has been broken at this point?" Now you've you've got a sequence of photos that's very concerning, but nothing that's actually illegal. And yet you've got this huge poli- you've got this huge implied police response. Do I they just-
0: note that there's a knife
1: missing? No, I don't think that's ever mentioned. It,
0: I mean, obviously, it comes up again in the film, but it's, yeah. I don't think it is mentioned in the in the store. They never it's never mentioned that they notice there's a hole in the inventory.
1: And it's again, this is just one of those bits. The film suddenly goes a bit stupid and a bit generic, and oh, this is how thrillers do. Yeah, there's always a big police response because that's what thrillers do. And
0: I, it's just, I think it's because of the, I think it's because of the context where. The way Bill would say it is: This guy has been behaving mm. really oddly, um, and I've had to fire him. He took it yeah. badly. Now he's taking pictures of my daughter. Yeah. Um, or oh, there's there's an lim- okay, okay okay yeah okay that. No, a a plus b plus c. Yeah, yeah. okay, these things all fit together. We t- this is the sort of thing that we take seriously. Yeah. We're going to find it before anything happens.
1: There's an implied, There's certainly an implied threat there, but I've just left thinking you get you get judging by his speech. There's a huge police response. I don't think the film is satirizing the inappropriate response of American police to different crimes, but that's almost what what you could believe because it's just so. All you need is for him to go. Yeah, this is weird we're going to send a couple of cops around to his house for a welfare, you know, just for a welfare check, basically. And the police could turn up, go, we've knocked on the door, we can't get a reply, but we can hear the TV on, we're going in because now we're concerned, uh, there's there's safety concerns. And you get them there exactly the same way, but without this sense that the the county police department has mobilised all its forces, which, as I say, it just, it took me out, it really took me out of the film. But I may be overthinking it. Well, they go to his apartment, mm-hmm.
0: um, which they is is empty, and they find yes. the wall of pictures, and Will's face has been scratched out in every single yep. picture.
1: Which and now now they've got grounds for now they've got definite grounds for concern. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I can't remember how this how this works. cycle's through to. Um, Will and Meyer's room, pretending to be room service.
1: That's right. I um, guess uh, because he's trying to find out what room there. He knows what hotel they've gone to. He needs to f- find the room, doesn't he? So yeah. he calls them up, says, "Oh, well, this is about your room service order." And then uh, it's 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 just you know it's a it's. Uh, it's a nice little sequence again. I suppose it shows that he's capable of thinking quite quickly when he has to. But yes, he, he tricks them into giving them his room number, um, and then he goes and books himself a room in the hotel on the same floor.
0: Yeah, um, Vanderzee visits the Yorkins at home, but obviously mm. Will isn't there. They call Will at work, but he isn't there either.
1: But and again, you get quite a nice sequence here where. Nina is talking to somebody massively unhelpful at the office. Who go and and she? I think she literally does just say, "Oh, come on, Mur. Uh, I know that Will's fucking Maya." Um, and I think this film's been pretty light on the swearing up to this point, hasn't it? Um, yeah, it has. And, and so that line stands out. It makes that it makes that line all the more effective for it. But it's also quite, again, quite a nice character moment because. You wonder if she's known all along. Even when she had the conversation at the start of the film about Will sort of being very withholding and distant, is that her just politely trying to say?
0: I, I yeah, know about. you? Yeah. I, think, I think it is. That yeah. she's without coming directly out and accusing him. Yeah, she's saying that she knows that there's something wrong. So And that, and and that the it's se- his responsibility to do something about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and the sequence when the car unexpectedly stops is not the, oh, my God, my husband's having an affair. It's almost the, what's this picture doing in here? Um, it's almost more the shock of having... <laughs> the, the shock of having realising that somebody else knows that her husband's having an affair, effectively. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and that it's been uh, presented to her son. Because well yeah they've that's tra- true they've, they've both been trying to protect Jake from yes, the for, truth of the to, matter
1: and when okay here we go I'm going to start reading too much stuff into things again Nina and uh, Jake go to the shop they've both got roles of film to develop haven't they because he's got the disposable camera and, and Nina's got some film that she's put in as well yeah and yet, Cy chooses to put the picture of Will's affair into Jake's photos, not Nina's. Yes. I just find that, again, that strikes me as being too dilute. That must be a character point. That he almost are you doesn't sure, see any. Are you sure that there's, are you sure that there's another role of film that Nina I, gave
0: him to develop?
1: I thought so. I could be wrong. I'm not sure there is. Maybe there isn't. Maybe it's just that's a shame because I almost <laughs> I've almost talked myself into liking my version better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe actually it's just that that he's only got the he, he's got to put them into Jake's because he doesn't have anywhere else to, to, to put it. Yeah.
0: So Cy goes to Will and Meyer's room. And mm. I've 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 just written here. Something is going to happen.
1: Yeah,
0: and at, at this point, with the, the the music, which you know we were told to buy on CD, um, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 been kind of just this very gentle underscore all the way through. But it's really ramping into full burn of yeah. Herman music towards the end. It's really strong, yep. tense He's... music, and the, the tension is it's really living up to itself as a as a yeah. as a great thriller. Um. Sai gets one of those little stickers and puts mm. it over the peephole Yep. and no- knocks on the door as room service. And when Meyer answers it, he bursts in and pulls out the knife and actually says that, um, that he has to do that. They have to do as he says. Yep. Get the picture. Uh, the police race to the hotel room as Sai starts. Ordering Meyer and Will to enact sex acts,
1: but to look happy while they're doing it—he's fed up yeah. with it. They just keep crying, and that's it's, not. It's, yeah.
0: Come on, this is this is supposed to look like fun. He says, yeah. "Don't worry, it's all it's all pretend." Mm. The worst thing you can think of has already happened. Yeah. Afterwards, Cy goes after whatever's happened, because we've only seen that little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Sai goes back to his own room, and he just lays motionless on the bed. It's like, again, he only seems to exist when other people are around. Yeah. The police are at the front desk, and Sai looks out of the window and sees the cops arriving. And he tries to slip out of the hotel. He goes down some back stairs. He winds up running through a conference room where there's a presentation on ophthalmology going on about reducing retinal decay. Um, The cops find the camera and the knife in his bedroom.
1: Mm. Again, very poor policing here. They know that um, Will and Maya are in one particular hotel room. They don't go to check they're okay. Um, No. <laughs> I I don't know what they never say where this takes place. There's just a reference at one point to the county because Van yeah, Desee says we it, take this very seriously in this county. But frankly There's a
0: deliberate there's a deliberate intention to keep it vague about where in America yeah. this is going to be. Because yeah. this could be any, this could be anywhere and Psy mm. could be anyone.
1: Yeah, but yes, I just another black mark against the county police they don't go and check on the victims first.
0: Psy <laughs> si escapes through a fire door and run and it's a really interesting visual idea of him running down the spiral mm. staircase this yeah. spiraling down somewhere yeah until finally he's he's cornered by the police and as the as the uh the headlights in the police car shine in his face and he puts up his hand at that point, there was going to be an effect of his eyes going red, like a red eye effect oh, okay. from a photograph. But they decided not to do that because they thought it would look bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they made a, the good. It's always interesting, isn't it, when you hear the stuff that people are talking about or the scenes that get deleted, and you realise just how close every film is to to disaster. That yeah, you know, yeah, I think that would have been a really bad moment. Um.
0: The police finally go into will and Meyer's room mm. and physically well, they are were, they were both fine yeah. they seem to both be physically absolutely fine mm. meyer is in the meyer is in the bath weeping will is sitting on the bed shell shocked something happened yeah why well, I mean, we basically know what happened um but at, they seem okay, and as um, Sia is being put in the police car, he says, I just took pictures. Mm. Um, Nina and Jake come and see Will, and Will hugs Jake, and he shares a look with his wife. And we, that loops us back to the start again, with Sia in the interrogation room. And Sai talks to Vanderzee and says, "You know, Detective, you you seem like a good man." And he has. I mean, he's been nothing but reasonable, mm. and he's treated Sai with respect. You seem like a good man. You're not the kind to cheat, to hurt your family, not the kind to neglect and abuse children, not the kind to ask kids to do things, to take sick, degrading pictures of them, not to treat them like animals. And so we know now. Mm. We know why Cy si is obsessed with photography. We know why he was always ill as a child with diseases caught through sexual contact. We know why he prizes having a happy family so much, and we know why mm. he won't show other people pictures of his mother.
1: Yeah, and also equally that, that line he uses when he's forcing uh, Will and My to is just pretend. You kind of yeah. do wonder. It's if supposed that's... to
0: look like fun.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: These are the these are the things that he has learned. The worst thing that can happen to you has already happened. Yeah. Speaking as someone with an anxiety disorder, I don't think that's true. But in the context of the film, it makes perfect sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a lot of stuff I can think of that's never happened to me that would be. More than I would know how to deal with. Yeah. But (laughs) the movie's not about me. Yeah. Um, Will threw it all away, Sy adds. And Van Der understands. He understands why Sy felt that he had no choice but to do this. So Sy asks if he can see the pictures now.
1: Mm.
0: And Van Der says, yes, all right, so... He hands them over and side carefully takes up all the prints and lays them out in front of himself. And all the photos that he took are pictures of his own hotel room. Mm. Close-ups of the chair, the remote control, the corner of the bed, the most boring, nothingy images that you mm. can imagine. And he asks if he could be alone. And the fi- the film's final shot, the one I talked about before, mm. it's a family photo of the Yorkins, of Will and Nina, and Jake in front of them, standing outside their house. The modern of a model of a happy family.
1: Mm.
0: And then, Sai fades into the picture, standing behind them. With his hands around Will and Nina's shoulders, and there are two ways of reading that. As this, as is with so much of this film, the way I thought of that originally was this is what Sai wanted. This, you know, him being the the beloved living uncle. Mm. But in the commentary, Romanek says that he feels that that's not a fantasy. That's a real photograph. Oh. And that some time later, the Yorkins would understand what Sy had tried to do. In his own way, he was trying to help them. He was trying mm. to rescue them, rescue their marriage and rescue their family from collapse, from Will's infidelity. And they would accept him and appreciate him. And maybe even, after all, make him part of their family because of what he tried to do to help them.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. I've got to say, that's rather like you, that's not how I read it. I read it as being, he's. it's, it's just he's imagining something. But that's, again, that's where the, the thing of playing these sequences absolutely straight scores. Because we both we both assumed that sequence was a, effectively a dream sequence and then you've got the director saying no this is something that i i visualize as actually happening later on yeah yeah that's really interesting
0: i think this is a a brilliant film i hmm. think that it's 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 so annoying that it's been overlooked because it got such a big it made such a big splash at the time yeah And then it's kind of just faded away. If it had just... I like Death to Smoochie around the same time. That barely got released. And was just ignored. Right. This got a a big release. It got acclaim. Mm. Talk of award nominations. A commercial success. Even if it wasn't a huge hit. It's one of Robin Williams... I mean, it is his his greatest dramatic performance. I think. Mm. Um... It's, I know one of only three films Romanek has made. I haven't seen the other two, yeah. but it is a brilliantly made film. Um, it's a brilliantly written script. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it, it's it's a great model of how to produce an intelligent, character based thriller that is still really exciting and really engaging, but also yeah. has a lot of themes about alienation, about psychology about um, the way we relate to photographs, the way we relate to other people, the way we relate to people through images and the idealisation of images. It's a rich, complex film that you can still enjoy. as just a really great thriller.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I know I've been a bit negative about two or three points in the film, but that's really just because they genuinely left me disappointed. So much of this film is terrific, that it's actually it's just a disappointment when every now and again it felt like the film just let its game slip slightly.
0: Um, it makes the minor flaws all the more obvious it, because for me it does. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the centre of all of it, you have this this character sketch. In other hands, Sai Parish could be a bogeyman. Mm. He could be a monster. He could be a, a, a slavering fiend. But by looking into why he is the way he is, by accepting him as a person, I think Romanek treats him with great compassion. He's never the villain. Mm. He's neither the hero nor the villain. He's the protagonist and he is the person we come to know best in the story. And we are encouraged to identify with him for all the horrible things that he's been through in his life and the, 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 the attempts he's... Striven for uh, in finding happiness. I think it's a rare film that takes a character like this and dares you not to engage with them emotionally. Thanks to Chris for making time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and ACast with almost 110 episodes available. So please download, review, and subscribe. We're also on YouTube, on Twitter at cinema underscore limbo, and Podnose is also on Patreon, so please pop a penny in the box to help us with our running costs. However, until next time, remember someone cared enough about you to take your picture. been listening to cinema limbo hosted and produced by jeremy phillips with editing and music by philip alderman cinema limbo is part of the podnose podcasting network so please visit us at www.podnos.com.